coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Ah! Jesus. Okay, uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again to Buzzed On Movies, mm. um, your weekly film-going lifestyle podcast. Times are somewhat dark this week at the Buzzed On Movies studio. Um, we, we watched the Oscars this week, and we have some thoughts. Uh, they didn't go quite the way we anticipated, and especially in some key categories. Mm. So, uh, as always, I'm Teddy. Yeah, I'm Matt. We're not thrilled to be here this week, <laughs> but we're here, plugging away as always. You know what? That's, uh, that's journalism. <laughs> <laughs> we're bringing the people what they want, even if it's <sighs> not what we want. So um, It's actually not what the people want or no, what we want. I, it's just... <laughs> things just, that need to be discussed <laughs> life happens sometimes you know and it's not what anyone wants um so uh it by now you've probably heard about the results for the oscars uh needless to say there were a few surprises in there especially if you listen to our pre-oscars podcast we sound we sound very sure on that podcast about what some of these winners are going to be and uh they just did not come through the way that we anticipated yeah but uh you know life is funny that way sometimes mm -hmm. strange stuff happens why don't we why don't we focus on the good stuff to start with because sure. there were there were many good things that happened during this oscar ceremony um i i think first of all what we should focus on is the ceremony itself i thought actually Despite some of the results, it went really smoothly, especially considering some of the buildup with all the controversies and the problems of not being able to find a host. Like sure. uh, this probably went better than it has in a while and with no host at all. I thought it worked really well. I mean, I wasn't like thrilled with it. I mean, I, I was like bored when they weren't presenting an award. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> But otherwise, yeah, it's fine. It was, I mean, I didn't notice it was egregiously bad. I've seen some opinions on the internet that really hated the no host thing. I don't know. I didn't care. I didn't see how it was particularly different from when they do have a host. The host has one role, really. So um, <laughs> it just felt to me like they spent more time actually just covering the winners or like the, the song nominees or introducing the best pictures it really didn't feel like there was a lot of filler in there like no, usually yeah. there's like three or four just terrible comedy bits that nobody remembers the next morning and that we all right, just yeah. sort of collectively write off as spent time well like, yeah why, i guess that's what why do we even need what, right so i agree with that and i think that um a lot of a lot of people I saw who didn't like the hostless thing were like, and all of the jokes everybody was reading, it was clearly off of like a teleprompter and they were unfunny. And it's like, well, that's every year. That's not anything new. That's yeah. what we come to. I mean, 
with or without a host. That's always been the case. They read off a teleprompter, and then the host is reading off a teleprompter and is unfunny. So what's yeah. the difference? I don't. It's almost never funny. What, what they yeah. did was cut down on the unfunny stuff and just focus yeah. more on the winners and the nominees, which is, I think, how it should be. Like, it's it's just never going to be a super entertaining show unless you're really into like hearing what people think the best movies of the year are there. Right. It's just not a fun show unless you're interested in hearing a bunch of film names read off, which right. you know you and I are, that's fine. Right. A lot of other film going type people are, they're never going to really appeal to an audience. Who's just looking for a fun evening watching TV. No. Uh, so yeah, I, I think those people may have to go elsewhere, but I thought this went well. I thought this went well. Um, some of the winners, not so much, but we'll get to that. Um, sure. So starting off the night, um, my predictions, I thought, were going pretty well. And even the ones that I got wrong, I was happy about. Like, they were some pleasant surprises, at least for me, um, early on. Why don't we... Yeah. I, I don't... What? Well... I don't want to focus too much on the actual order that things were read off last night. No, let's, no, no. Yeah. let's just sort of go up the the tier of um, what the what the academy considers like the more important, the least important to the more important awards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not that any of these aren't important because right. I think all, all of these are great categories. Um, so, best visual effects, okay. uh, which was quite an interesting category this year. We had a, a number of blockbusters in there, uh, like Avengers Infinity War, Ready Player One, um, and then Christopher Robin, which was kind of an interesting inclusion. The, the Who ended up winning was First Man, which was, um, I thought, a pleasant surprise. It was good to see First Man win something. Uh, I felt like they they didn't get as many nominations as they could have. And the effects in that movie were amazing. So it was good to see it recognized. Yeah, I was happy with it. I thought it was a, a good choice. I thought, thought it was a fairly safe choice. It's like the easy, like prestige picture of the bunch, but like, yeah, yeah it was good. It was, it's yeah. fine. I'm happy with it. I wasn't mad about it. So it did look really good. So whatever. That was good. Uh, for makeup and hairstyling, we had Vice winning, uh, which I think was definitely expected. It would yeah. have been nice to see Border sneak in there, but Vice was the makeup was really solid for um, Christian Bale transforming to Dick Cheney. I mean, that was just incredible. So yeah, I agree. I yeah, I I'm not surprised. I wish Border had won, just like you said. But yeah, it's it's nice that Vice won. That's fine. Yeah, and Vice didn't end up taking home like. Did they get anything else that night? I don't think so, no. no. So, yeah, I mean, it was good for them to at least get that because otherwise I they guess. came up empty-handed. <laughs> I was would have been okay with that, but... <laughs> I, I, I'm down for them being recognized for the things that they at least did well, which were some things. Makeup is Sure, I just think that Border did more with makeup and hairstyling. I mean, they did two characters. Vice only did one, so... Yeah, well, I mean, Amy Adams's character as um, as Dick Cheney's wife, she got aged pretty well. It's not as dramatic a transformation as Christian definitely Bale, not as dramatic, but and doesn't I, have to look like somebody that we all instantly recognize the way Christian Bale did. Like, right? Yeah. Uh, for the best costume design, of course, Black Panther won. Um, that you thought that they were going to win. I I was rooting for the favorite, but I was also glad to see 
Black Panther win. I thought you made a pretty good case for why it should win. And uh, yeah, I think in general, people are happy with this one and I'm, I'm happy with it as well. Yeah, I'm super happy with it. Like, yeah, you're right. I think I made a good case. So I'm uh, on board with this. Black Panther should have won, and it did. So I'm yeah. happy with it. The costumes are very unique. It was good to see all, all these costumes inspired by African traditions, uh, which it was a unusual costume nominee in that regard, and it was good to see it win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for production design, again, Black Panther took home the award. That one, um, yeah, I think that's pretty good. They did have to build a whole fictional world uh, and design all of the all the features that would go in it. For sure. I, I mean, I think that um, just in terms of sheer world building, none of the other movies like held a candle to what Black Panther did with production design. So, I mean, they created a whole new world. So it was pretty exciting. Yeah, that's true. I guess Mary Poppins Returns sort of did that, but really Mary Poppins Returns was just another movie rehashed. So that's not really. Yeah. I mean, uh, like parts of Mary Poppins Returns had some pretty impressive pro- production design. It did. But yeah. In general, it's like, mm, I don't know. I still think I still think Roma is my favorite in terms of production design. Roma's very impressive. I just think that their ability to create those those city blocks and um design them in a way that it's just fully immersive and that they could move the cameras around in there very easily and get some incredible shots. Uh, I just thought that was really good, but for sure, I definitely recognize that black Panther had quite the achievement this year and I think they deserve that award. So yeah, no, no problem there. Uh, so then for best cinematography, we had Roma winning. I, I think that was, um, definitely a good win they were far and away the best again i liked cold war a lot i would have liked to see them get a win because they had great cinematography and the movie just didn't get enough recognition this year but i think we have to kind of bow down to roma's uh dominance in this category this year yeah i think you're probably right i think roma completely deserved it this is fine Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, we're starting to run out of well there, there's a few more things that were okay all right so for original score black panther one yeah this good. was good ludwig yeah. Goransson. yeah again i was i was a little disappointed not to see uh Beale, if beale street could talk take this yeah, one i was because, rooting for beale street i was i was but yeah, they were woefully underrecognized in this year's awards, and the score was truly incredible and a very crucial part of the movie. Uh, so I would have liked to see them win, but the score, again, the score for Black Panther, really good. Uh, not upset to see it win. I think if it wasn't going to be Beale Street, that would probably be uh, the best other pick there. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a good one. Well, uh, best original song, obviously it was shallow. We called we it. We, we didn't. We didn't have any uh, doubts about that one going in, and sure enough, it won. The performance at the Oscars was truly incredible. Everyone's still talking about it. If you missed the ceremony, at least go back and watch this because it was it was a great moment for live television. Oh yeah, it was excellent. That was 
an amazing moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely one of the top highlights. Yeah. Probably and... like the highlight of the night aside from like some win that you were really passionate about like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like the actual like on stage presence, that was probably the highlight. Right. Um my other personal highlight aside from the wins was uh uh Keegan Michael Key coming down uh, oh yeah that was umbrella good. mary poppins style that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. no i did really like that <laughs> not that mary poppins ended up winning anything but uh no. that was that was sort of their highlight to the ceremony there it was yes um so for best animated short bow one we called that, that one good, yes although uh my personal favorite was not bow but i that's okay I liked Bal a lot. I thought yeah. it would probably win, and it deserves to win. It was a great movie. I agree. Yeah, I, I'm not mad about it. I guess it was fine. Uh, best live action short that was Skin. Again, I called this not my favorite, but you know, it was all right. I I thought this was probably. Um, I, w- I wouldn't say a safe win, but a pretty reliable win for this category. I'd agree with that. I think that I was pretty sure that they would win going into it. So I can't say I was surprised. Like you said, not my favorite. Definitely among my least favorites of this category. Um, But it's okay. I knew it would win, so I was braced for it at the very least. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see that feature-length version that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, this is definitely going to serve as a very strong bit of advertisement for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. This is going to be, yeah. Is that going to get a theatrical release? I assume so. I mean, it's been it's been showing at festivals recently. Right, yeah. Unless it's going to get picked up by, like, Netflix or somebody, which right. could always happen these days. You never know. But yeah, I assume it'll get a theatrical release. Uh, and our last short category, uh, best documentary short, period, end of sentence, was the winner. This one I thought was great. Like, this is a great win. This is a yeah. lot of fun. The filmmakers on stage were having a lot of fun with it. They oh, were yeah, that was a really, really good moment, having there. them all on stage. They were awesome. And this wasn't my personal pick, but this was definitely one of my favorites in the category, and I was very happy to see it win. Yeah, I was super happy with it, especially after seeing their speech. Um Reiko Zebtachi and Melissa Burton were awesome on stage. They were so happy and excited and just like rad. They were cool people, I think. Yeah, it was a fun moment. Uh, for our best documentary feature, Free Solo won. That was, I was very happy with that. Uh, again, I was kind of between that one and Minding the Gap in terms of which one I wanted to win the most. I think I ended up going with Minding the Gap, but. I think Free Solo was the favorite here, and they indeed won, and it was a great win. It's a great movie. Yeah, um, I mean, Free Solo is good. I really liked it. I really thought Minding the Gap should win, and I maintained that, but it Free Solo was good. I liked most of this category, so I wouldn't have been mad about any of them, really, but... Yeah, documentaries Solo, this year. I was happy so with good. that. Like, usually there's... At least one or two that's like kind of like, okay, I guess I can see why this is nominated, but come on. But like all of them this year, I thought were very watchable. 
Yeah, I enjoyed all, all of the, the documentaries on some level. There's no none of them I disliked. So, for best foreign language film, Roma ended up winning. Uh, this wasn't personally what I thought was going to win. I, uh, as I said earlier, I, my prediction was that Cold War would win, so they could give Roma best picture. Uh, that did not end up happening, and we'll get into that later. Oh yeah, this but, was the first sign of bad things to come, though. Yeah, <laughs> this I was, was like, unfair. oh, oh, did they not win Best Picture then? Yeah. The moment Roma won this, I was like, Roma's not winning Best Picture, and it's all a downhill slide. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although by then we'd already had some indication that things were going to go rough. Yeah. So. Yeah, we we were already a little worried at this point, um, but. You know, if they weren't going to give Roma the best picture, I think it definitely should have gotten best foreign language. As much as I love Cold War, and yeah, they, oh no, I completely agree. win. Yeah, um, they had to give Roma some sort of top level win like this because yeah, absolutely, they definitely sure. deserved it. Uh, best animated feature for me, this might have been my favorite win of the night. It was Spider Man to the Spider Verse. We're all. You know, we all knew that this was what it was supposed to be, and we were so afraid that the Academy was going to fall into their normal tricks and just give it to whatever Disney put out this year. Which would have but, been, they would have had two options. <laughs> yeah, they had two, two different chances to do that, but they didn't do it. They gave it to Spider-Man. It was a great pick. Although, technically, Disney did win out because Marvel is Disney, so... Okay, but they didn't make this. Uh, I'm just it, saying it that technically. at the end of the day, Disney won no matter what, and Disney had three of the best animated feature film documentaries under their yeah. belt. These are That's all true. Disney wins. Yeah, Any they're, they're probably not mad at more advertisement for Spider-Man. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Money <laughs> but, in their pockets. <laughs> But it was a great win, nonetheless. Uh, it was. It was, uh, yeah. Very, absolutely. very glad to see that. Super deserved. Probably the most easily deserved win of the night. Like, no contest, you know? So Yeah. It was great. All right. So, we've gone through the bulk of the minor awards here. There's a few left in the minors that we've skipped over for <laughs> particular reasons. Uh-huh. But let's let's start going through those now. I think that it's actually... Three and they all went to the same movie. Yes. <laughs> so yes, we can indeed, just yeah. uh, lump them all into one general category here, if we yes. would like. So yeah, best sound editing, best mixing, and best editing all went to Bohemian Rhapsody. It was painful to experience this happening. <laughs> It was physically, my body was in agony every time they said Bohemian Rhapsody. This was really bad. And so they, the sound categories happened first. Um, I'd say that was relatively early in the night, maybe around the end of the first hour. Yeah, that's um, we knew. We knew. As soon as they gave it the sound editing nomination, I gave it the sound editing win. I knew they were also going to win sound mixing. Yeah, that's because I'm like, okay, well, clearly they've looked past the fact that the only thing people like about the sound is that it's got queen songs in it. So why wouldn't they give it mixing too? And sure enough, there we go. Uh, Yeah. At that point, I lost all hope that we were going to get a quiet place win in there or a first man win. Just knew that 
Bohemian Rhapsody was taking home the sound awards and that Matt Cawthon would not have to do four shots on this podcast. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I the real am bummer. sad about it because, yeah, I was going to say, I could honestly use four shots anytime I think about <laughs> some of the bigger awards this night. So, Alas, it was not to be. So that that led off the the first signs of trouble for this night. Um, then we had the best film editing win for Bohemian Rhapsody, which really I I just had I had sort of a nervous feeling for that. I sort of knew this was coming, and part of it is that yes, they did win the Ace Editor Award, um, and that that but, winner usually gets film editing. Right? Yeah, they're the the guild for editors. They have their own award show, and if they're going to give best editing to Bohemian Rhapsody, then it's a pretty good sign. I mean, like all their members are in the Academy too for editing, so they're probably going to give it the Oscar as well. And you know, we're hoping it wasn't going to go that way, but after we saw that so much attention was already going to Bohemian Rhapsody, as we were afraid might happen. Then, sure enough, the editing award came as well. Um, take a look at our Twitter again this week. We're definitely going to be retweeting that clip. You probably, we, uh... <laughs> if you've been following along, there's there's one clip in particular from this movie that's absolutely egregious. Yes, um, I'm We've sure we've retweeted it at since. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, at, at least once or twice, but and, and many did. other jokes about yeah. this win. <laughs> but I did promise to retweet this clip again if they won the best editing. So it That's will true. happen. Um, yeah, uh, and, and there's been others going around too, but this one is just so bad. There's a particularly it. bad one. Yeah, you'll see it. Just check out the Twitter at Buzzed on Movies. Um, so yeah. At this point, technical awards were over. We're like, this is already looking like Bohemian Rhapsody is setting themselves up pretty good to be maybe a best picture winner, which was pretty much our worst fear. You know, we we're yeah, all that would have killed me. There there was talk that there, it would be a best picture, and we we're like, oh god, no. This is yes. uh <laughs> this would not be good. So why don't we let's go over the acting awards and the yeah the upper the upper we'll start with the screenplays here yeah I was gonna say we should just there's just there's some more bad stuff here um, oh yes there is <laughs> so best adapted screenplay went to Black Klansman which was great this is uh, great so I was super happy to see Spike Lee get up there and win. Yeah, um, and that was a very exciting moment too. Him hugging Samuel L. Jackson and like jumping up and down and stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. That Spike was great. Was awesome. Um, I do, and, and like the, the retrospect of it, I'm like sad because I I feel like it was a precursor to saying there's no more wins for you, but that's okay. Um, yeah, that always um, that does tend to happen sometimes. So you'll get the yeah. screenplay win and then be like, ooh, but does that mean that their screenplay is can frequently be used as a consolation prize? Pretty and, much, yeah. yeah. And so I hate that because when that happened, I was like, man, I'm so excited. But Spike, like Black Klansman definitely deserves more than this over yeah. the things that ultimately beat it out. That's really the point here. But anyway, we'll get to that. But. Yeah. And another bad part, too, was that um, also that meant Beale Street wasn't winning the screenplay award either. Which means um, it was winning. Yeah. Yeah. So they got they got mostly shut out of yes. the awards entirely. 
They did win Best Supporting Actress, Regina King. Yes. Uh, she was I one of the first awards read off. That was a great win. Uh, in fact, she was the first. Her. Yeah, the first award read yes. out. That was great. Uh, very well deserved. She had a great role in there as the <laughs> mother trying to get her daughter's husband out of trouble, trying to keep all of her family together. Um, I thought it was amazing and definitely well-deserved. Absolutely. 100%. And just because, I mean, in terms of respecting a whole body of work, you know, I usually complain when the Academy does something like that. It's also just like, it's about time that Regina King gets acknowledged by. The oh Academy. yeah. Like she's just been so good for so long, largely on TV. That's been a thing, but just it, she deserves some big recognition for her work in general. So it was nice to see it happen. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, so then for best original screenplay, mm-hmm. uh, the winner here was Green Book. <laughs> so Green Book, <laughs> Nick Vallelonga, Brian Curry, and Peter Farrelly, who um, directed and wrote Shallow Hal and um, something about Mary, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, um, movie uh, 43. And, movie 43. Uh, other uh, they now have more Oscars than Paul Schrader, the writer of Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. I just want to let that sink <laughs> in. I want everyone to know that. Oh God! Yeah, this was this was a hard one. I mean, yeah, uh, we definitely wanted First Reform to win this one. It was a shame it didn't. This was the only chance for First Reform to take home an award. But also, I mean, there's a lot of other really good screenplays in this category. The favorite, the favorite, had a great yeah. screenplay. Very easy to give it to that one. Roma would have been nice. Even Vice. I mean, Vice was better than Green Book in terms of screenplay. Better um, than Green Book, and like part of the problem was a large part of what made this movie so questionable and controversial was the screenplay, um, especially with Nick Vallelonga writing a key portion of it like it's this very biased account of his father's encounter with uh don shirley which his family disputes to a great extent so uh it's kind of questionable to give him this award here absolutely it's questionable it, <laughs> it's embarrassing <laughs> yeah so i don't really understand yeah it's just it's definitely not deserved. So that's embarrassing. If you like a good full expounding on why it's not deserved, the daily did an episode with Wesley Morris today. Check that out. They like, he does a good job of explaining why just like the whole concept of this movie just did not work. So I can't explain it. I'm not, it's not my, you know, I should, other people can explain it better than I can. Is all I'm saying, but (laughs) um, he is a black man. I am not. And this is like, not my, you know, I should elevate his voice, not just be the voice, you know? Yeah. But, We're a little out of our wheelhouse here, but yeah. we did see this movie. So We did see this movie, and it's it's just, it's like this movie about racial reconciliation written by a bunch of white guys. Like, why? Like, they, they're not the people who need to be speaking on this issue. Why did they write it and then also get it wrong? Like, just and then also make wrong. Like, also make the white guy the central character. It doesn't make right. any sense. So... Well, I don't know why not. you award that screenplay <laughs> is the big thing. Like, yeah. Oh, first um, reformed. Mm. First reformed. Oh, God. Great screenplay. 
that that really is disappointing that they didn't take home anything this year. So, um, uh, in the same realm, we have Marshala Ali for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, this this one definitely wasn't the worst win for Green Book to have this night. I mean, no, I think that I think I think of all the the. I think of all the elements of that movie, he was probably the best part. His acting was really good. I thought he did a good job trying to represent Don Shirley as best as he could. So I don't begrudge him this award. I no, I don't. I think that. I think that. I mean, it's Marshall Ali. I love to see him win awards, no matter what. So it doesn't matter. Um, so I was excited about that. I also think that. Yeah, of the category, he was pretty much the only one here that I really, really, really thought was deserving i guess like i don't know like sam elliott and sam rockwell were immediately out just by based on screen time like <laughs> yeah why are they even nominated they did nothing they're like almost cameos um i would have liked to see richard e grant i thought his role richard was e grant far. is the only exception to what i was about to say he's the one person here who other than marshallo i was like he really he pulled it out and he could have deserved to win um so i was kind of gunning for him but uh just because even though I didn't like Can You Ever Forgive Me, I liked it more than I liked Green Book. So Yeah. Um. Alright, so we get into the final four categories here. The real big hitters. Why don't we start with the the one good well, no, there's two good ones in here. Um so Alfonso Caron won Best Director for Roma. This was pretty good. I was hoping yeah. that Spike Lee might get the win um, just because he's never won a directing Oscar and he definitely deserves it. I was also hoping Yorgos Lanthimos might win because the favorite was incredible and Lanthimos keeps churning out these mind-bending movies that really deserve some strong recognition. But uh, Corone was great, as always. I mean, he's a master. And yeah. I really like his work, and I really liked Roma, so I can't fault him for winning this one. No, not at all. I mean, Roma was excellent. He deserved it. There's no doubt about that. I think that um, as much as I would have loved to see, like you said, Yorgos Lanthimos or Spike Lee win, I mean, as with cinematography, Roma was sort of like like a towering like monster here. It was just yeah. so good, and he directed it so well. It's hard to blame anyone for voting for it in this category, even if you wanted someone else to win. Right. And this was the, I guess I would say this is the top award that Roma took home. For so, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A good, a good win for them, a good win for Netflix as well. Yeah. To have a movie that won best director and best foreign film. Pretty good. Not quite the heights that they were maybe hoping for, but they've made a strong statement at this year's awards. Yeah, for sure. They did. I agree. Um, one of my favorite speeches, I think of the night was uh, the best actress speech given by Olivia Coleman when she won for the favorite. Oh yes. I thought that like she was so, I think she was really surprised to win. First of all, 
She was. Uh, she, <laughs> she seemed very unprepared, but very excited. Uh, all the people around her from the favorite were clearly very excited for her and like rushing her up there and like beaming at her. Uh, she, she gave this very like kind of hurried, uh, fun speech, but it, it was, that was, uh, that was probably my favorite speech the whole night. I think it was, yeah. it was really fun. It was, it, you could see the joy on her face. It went, she was that. excited. She was, she felt very relatable, like yeah. just like her, like her surprise and excitement and emotion. Um, it felt very genuine and really great. And it was just excited to see, it was exciting to see someone win who really, really clearly didn't want it for the wrong reasons or anything like that. And was genuinely like surprised to have won. And, had just put all her all into a role and deserved the win as a result. Um, yeah. I think she really, I mean, there were a lot of good performances in the best actress category. She was good. Yalitia Aparicio was also excellent. Right. Lady Gaga was very, very good. There's no denying that. And Melissa McCarthy was really good as, you know, in a role that it was pretty new for her or unusual, I will say. Yeah. Uh, that was um, a great dramatic turn for her. Yeah, and even Glenn Close, even though I still maintain that The Wife is a very standard movie, so it wasn't that demanding. But, like, it's, you know, they were all really good. And Olivia Coleman still, I think, was far and away just the most memorable performance of the lot. Easily. Yeah. So. Okay, so. Oh, God. We've gotten, we've gotten as many good things in here as we have to sort of prepare ourselves for these next couple winners. Uh, so, in a move that we sort of anticipated, I mean, uh, I definitely think he was a bit of a front runner at times, so this wasn't entirely uh, a shock. But uh, Rami Malek won Best Actor for Bohemian Rhapsody. He sure did. <laughs> I don't know. You know... I guess we all sort of weren't surprised by it at the very least. Yeah. You know, um, Bradley Cooper had sort of fallen out of the picture for a while there. We all kind of knew he wasn't really in in the running anymore. Yeah, he sort of did. We kind of knew Willem Dafoe never really had been in the running. Um, he was just like a spot filler, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a great role, but he, he was yeah. never really in the conversation. Yeah, nobody, like, was going to vote for him. For I mean, I'm sure somebody voted for him, but it wasn't, like, going to be enough. We all knew that. And even, like, Viggo Mortensen, I don't think anyone really ever thought he was going to win Best Actor. It really had come down to Christian Bale and Rami Malek. Yeah, that was pretty much the two of them. So, oh, God. And, like, I don't know which one would have made me less happy. <laughs> um, just because I I like I just you didn't like you know, either of these movies. I didn't like either of the movies, so there's just like a starting point. And I really hate the thing about rewarding movies that were bad but had like one good aspect. Like I don't know, I get it, but at the same time, I just would never be able to vote for something so that a bad movie can later say that they were Academy Award winning. I just like could not handle that morally. But right, um. <laughs> It's also like, I'm just like, Freddie Mercury and Dick Cheney are people that we have so much video of. I mean, there's so much about all of them yeah. that you can watch and read. 
anywhere. These performances are impersonations, and it's like really depressing to see the Academy repeatedly give wins to people who were just giving impressions. Like, it's just like a bummer. Like, there were people here who created entire roles. And like, even like Willem Dafoe was Vincent Van Gogh, but we don't have endless archived video of Vincent right, Van Gogh. Right, right, yeah. You know, like that he had to create Vincent Van Gogh based on paintings and writings. Like, and that's very different than somebody we have video of. Rami Malik really is impersonating video. I mean, he does exactly things that you see in videos. Like <laughs> which is yeah. why people like the movie. I mean, it it is comforting to people because it's just, like, oh, he acts like yeah. Freddy. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is like, that's not nice, a knock but... on Rami Malik. He was really very, very good. But it is a bummer because the Academy seems to repeatedly favor those types of awards. Like, and I don't feel like the movie really gave him like any really big dramatic moments. It didn't give him enough chance to shine and like try to give that an actorly turn to it beyond just imitation. I mean, when it did, it was um, it was getting things wrong. So I can't uh, really, <laughs> yeah. can't really call you like I can't say that you're wrong because those moments also just made me angry. So I don't even want to think about them. Um, because there was that fight with like his like creepy partner in the house after the after it turns out the guy was like micromanaging his life or whatever and they fight and he you know gets diagnosed with AIDS and all of that is like very very dramatic but they don't really l- allow it to linger they don't let him like, yeah you know yeah I mean that's what I mean it's like it's just sort of brushed over and a lot of it's just look here's Queen performing again here's them in the studio like right you, know, you can just go back and watch archival footage of freddie mercury doing all those things right which is of course i'm sure how he prepared and that's great and he should and that's what a biopic is for but the it would have been nice to see i don't know it just is i prefer roles where somebody had to not just impersonate a video they've seen a million times um so and it's also because it's bohemian rhapsody and i don't want bohemian rhapsody to have one of the like big categories under their belt yeah. I just don't want that, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, it, how many awards did they end up winning in total? Four. Here? I think this was they it. It was this and then the three technical awards. So that definitely, that's more than Roma. They actually that's won the most number. The most more than award. favorite. Yeah. That's the most of any film. Yeah. That's not great. No, that's not. <laughs> like, for a film that, you know, while it was a crowd pleaser, like, I mean, if you look at like the Rotten Tomatoes score or anything, like most people did not think this was a great film, right? Even if it was entertaining. Also, um, only four films won more than one award, anyway. So, yeah, it's pretty. Well, I guess that that is kind of unusual. Usually, you've got like a good handful of films that have at least two, right? And none of them really like. It's hard. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody won four. And only one of them is in a category that people other than like us, you know, and people who pay attention to film in general, like seriously are going to remember later. Like, and that's best actor. Um, Right. And like, like a year from now, nobody's going to think about the sound editing and sound mixing necessarily. Um, So, you know, I don't feel like most, most many films won multiple awards in big categories, which is kind of unusual. Um, yeah, and in the past few years, like we've had films that win like six or eight awards, even. Right. 
Like the closest uh, is Green Book, which we'll get to its biggest award, I guess. Um, but it also won Best Supporting Actor. Spoilers. Um, yeah. And then uh, I guess Roma won Best Foreign Language and Best Director. But but people never tend to remember Best Foreign Language, so. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's basically the same as Best Picture, but nobody. <laughs> yeah. In in my opinion, it's like it, there's even more competition because you know, got Best everything that's not english language in the entire world (laughs) yeah best picture is always something that's a wide release in the u.s whereas best foreign language it's always like the best movies from every country competing against one another right there's a much there's always like a stronger field there the one that wins isn't always better than the best picture overall but the field, I feel like, is always way stronger. Like every movie from the foreign language ones is always spectacular. Right. Yep. Pretty much. I agree with that. But we've been uh, we've been tiptoeing around this a bit too much. Uh, we're we're gonna finally get to it. The best picture for the night, the one that everyone's gonna be talking about, the movie to watch for the next year while you're waiting for the 2020 Oscars green book. Oh, green book. Yeah. I don't want to encourage um, anyone to watch it. <laughs> I mean, to be clear. I, don't, I don't know. I, I am of a mixed opinion as to whether people should watch it. I mean, I don't think people should watch it and think no movie in 2018 was better than this. Cause I could come up with at least 10 movies that were better than this. Um, is that it? <laughs> at least, at least I'm just like offhand. Okay. But, um, but I mean, I don't know. It, it depends what sort of movie you're into. I could see it's, a, it's an enjoyable movie. At least it's a fun movie, but is it a great movie? I don't think so. Okay. And I don't think it's the best movie of 2018. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not sure that it's enjoyable, but um, it's like enjoyable in moments, but not for the most part. Yeah. Um, just because it's so like bland and manipulative, but like yeah. Um, but if you look past all that, sure. If you look past like <laughs> manipulation and like. Uh, the racial issues at play here that the movie can never possibly understand because it's written by a bunch of white dudes, like <laughs> um, who one of whom is family to the guy they're trying to valorize. That's really the that's another big issue. Like that's being, my biggest problem. Yeah, yeah, being written by Nick Vallelonga. Like what? Like <laughs> this is literally about like your family. You should like, of course, it like glamorizes him and makes him look like, even though he was clearly like, you know, a racist in the start of this film, like it like brushes it off as like funny. Probably in the end of this film too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) But like it brushes it aside as like this, like cute, like, I don't know, like almost like grandfather in an armchair type racism. Like, like he's just like, Oh, that's just him. Like, no, like doesn't make it. Okay. He's just a rogue who throws away glasses that drank. I don't think we can use the word rogue. I don't think we can use the word maverick. I just think about John McCain and Sarah Palin anytime we say rogue or maverick. So we need to cut it out with those words. All right. You know, we wouldn't Um, want to reference the Republican Party in 
in relation to something about racism. Oh, that's you know what? Topic. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, no, it's actually I, the right word. <laughs> I I just I don't think there's. I think that Nick Vallelonga here is too close to the material. He's very biased towards his father, and and also by like, all accounts, not giving an accurate rendition of events. Also, like maybe racist himself. I don't know if you saw the headlines about his tweets. Oh. A few years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that stuff out there, too. Yeah. Um, so I would not be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, even just objectively as a film, this is not at all what I would say is the best movie out of this category. I mean, it's... If you're ignoring all the all the problematic issues aside, which are bad enough, just as a straightforward film it's just it's not as skillful or masterful as some of the other movies in this category like the favorite roma even a star is born or black klansman i think would be far better picks for a best picture yeah i mean i think just about any of them would have been um i can't think of in fact i would say any of them would have been you would even say vice well, because Vice, at least, I felt like had some like skill put into into the directing and editing. I don't think it necessarily worked, but like you can see, there was effort there. Green Book didn't do any like try anything clever with its editing or with with like anything about the film itself or like its camera. There was nothing special happening there. There wasn't even the attempt at it. It was very straightforward and very bland yeah. style. And I mean that works with dramas sometimes, but like it doesn't necessarily make for a best picture win. Yeah. It was like a middling biopic type film, which I mean, if we have to be honest is unfortunately the kind of movie that often wins best picture. So in a way this is, this is your classic Oscar bait film. Well, green book. It was definitely your classic Oscar bait film. I think it's made worse just because of like the racial problematic issues that are involved here. I mean, right. I think that if it let's you know if this existed in a vacuum and those weren't issues, but that doesn't even make sense because then the movie wouldn't exist. But you know, without those issues, sure, this is like exactly what I would expect to win. Yeah, I just thought maybe the Academy could do better now because there's no reason. I mean, it's like it's also like impossible that they missed that drama. You know, like yeah. the voters, like I. It's and 2019. It's, you, <laughs> and, and it's definitely fair to criticize the film on those issues because it makes those issues a central focus of the film. It's not incidental to the movie's message that this is the way that they treat racism. Right. It's the yeah. Whole movie's yeah. message. It's it's just kind of a. It's I fundamentally it, flawed from the outset. Like yeah. it's messaging. Like it can't work because of the way it's trying to do it. There's just no. There's no win. I mean. Yeah, it just couldn't win. Like I've said a million times, it's a bunch of white dudes writing this movie about race, and you, just from the outset, you're going to fail because you don't get it. You can't get it. Like, <laughs> so why are you trying? Like, and why are you making it about the white dude? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, there was no, there was no hope for it to win on its themes. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would have loved to see a version of this written a little more honestly, with more of a focus on the Don Shirley character. Make him the main character. I mean, the fact that Mahershala Ali was credited as a supporting actor in this movie when nominally the whole thing should have been about his character. 
Literally, it's yeah. Just, it's such a sign of how badly this was this story was told. I mean, this could have been a great story. I think there is a great movie here somewhere if it was handled in the right way, but I don't think they even came close to handling this in the right way. There is obviously a great movie about Don Shirley out there. Like, <laughs> you know, and uh, even about this aspect of his life, you know? Yeah. Um, but this is not the way to do it at all. Not even a little bit. So, you know, we were unhappy with that result. But would you say, would you rather have Green Book win or Bohemian Rhapsody? Honestly, probably Bohemian Rhapsody. Ooh. Wow. I don't know. I think that's hard. I think that, um, I mean, the issues that I have with Bohemian Rhapsody, like the, the like socially problematic issues are obviously things that I feel strongly about. They are like queer issues. Um, yeah. But I do think that maybe like the performance aspect of Bohemian Rhapsody gives it like an edge over Green Book. Like Green Book didn't have like Rami Malek's performance right. or like the stage performance aspect that it showed, which I thought were like the only saving grace of Bohemian Rhapsody was like the musical scenes and like the performances that they showed. Um, those were like actually entertaining to watch a lot of the time. So at least Bohemian Rhapsody had that entertainment factor going for it at moments. So green book had none of that for me. There was never a moment. Green book was like all orange and teal lighting and Viggo Mortensen doing that accent he was doing and talking (laughs) about fried chicken. Um, Yeah. So also a lot of food. (laughs) There was just like a lot of food. Yeah. That movie was like half food. Yeah, which was like really bizarre. And I think that if Green Book were a better movie, that'd be an interesting line of study to pursue. But I don't think it merits it. So it's okay. Yeah. Nobody, nobody start that. See, so my ultimate fear here was that Bohemian Rhapsody would be the best picture winner. Yeah, but you were less angry about Green Book. Like I was like violent about Green Book. (laughs) That's Um, true. But I, I mean, I think just looking. Trying to because they both have very big issues with how they handle their central characters and the themes behind them, uh, and the the political issues that they're trying to tap into. But I think putting all trying to put all that aside somewhat, like I found Green Book to be a more enjoyable, interesting movie than Bohemian Rhapsody, and I did have fun watching both of them. But when I got down to it, like Bohemian Rhapsody just felt like watching, I don't know, like backstage videos of the band just dramatized. Whereas Green Book at least told me somewhat of a story and had some interesting characters in it that I might not otherwise know about. Okay, sure. I found it to be a better movie. But still, when this one, like it was just like, out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, I mean, those are like the, the two big ones where if they'd won, I was going to be really angry about. I mean, what? Vice I would have been pretty mad about too, but probably... Vice would have been, I, Vice would have been very strange if it had won. Like, yeah, that, but could you I would imagine? Have been, yeah, that would have been t- not pleasant. After winning nothing else also, that would have been very strange. Well, it won makeup, but... Yeah. You know, that, that average precursor to the best picture win... They always say, if you win the makeup, you got it in the bag. Um, (laughs) But 
Yeah, uh, this was like I was expecting and fearing that Bohemian Rhapsody would win, and it didn't, and I was still disappointed. <sighs> so, yeah, uh, not what I was looking forward to at the end of that night. It no. Did, it did end the night on a bit of a downer note. Certainly, a lot of other people are equally upset or more upset with this win. Um if you want to find out more, simply go to twitter.com and just look around for a little while. I'm sure you'll find something. But, you know, uh, I think we need to focus somewhat on the positives. Yes, some of the big awards were not great, but there were a lot of good films that we discussed at the top of this podcast that won some awards. A lot of first-time filmmakers um, or at least filmmakers who were making it to the big stage for the first time won some awards. And, yeah. you know, there's there's always something good to come out of the Oscars, uh, as controversial as they may be at times, and sometimes they may be kind of pointless. But I think it it's worth focusing on the little, the the smaller level filmmakers who are, benefiting from this platform right i agree with that i mean yeah and focusing on the positives is always a good idea so why not i agree with that hey you know it'd just be nice to someday see some like great wins come out of this i mean we've we have in the past but yeah green book felt like like a kick in the face (laughs) we've had some good wins recently moonlight was a good win and oh yeah you know, as strange and weird as it was, um, Shape of Water was a good win in a way. It's good to see. Well, it was I, didn't li- see. I didn't like that movie, though. So it was. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my favorite that year, but it was good to see a genre picture win Best Picture. So it was. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like super angry about it. I mean, I was actually pretty angry about it because um, <laughs> it was like out even out of the, the things that were nominated alongside it. It was like one of the weakest, um, but not the weakest. We had some real doozies that year with it alongside it, um, <laughs> including Darkest Hour, which was just like embarrassing. Why? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, yeah, I mean, Moonlight was a great win, obviously. So. And we've had some other great wins in the past, but this was like the worst one that's happened since crash. Probably. Um, yeah. A lot of people are comparing this to crash. Um, well, it's in it's terms hard. of like, like, thematic issues, like the problems it has thematically, it's very similar to crash. Similar, yeah. <laughs> uh, and was also up against uh, spike Lee that year. Wait, yep. no, never mind. Was it not? Was it? No, that was driving miss Daisy, right? Well, driving Miss Daisy, yes, that did happen. That did happen, and that was also a bit of a controversial one in its time. Uh, uh, yes, it was. So, so this this issue seems to keep. Well, going driving Miss Daisy is like basically the same movie as Green Book, only <laughs> some like it's reverse. It's reversed. Uh, it's a reverse. The old reverse driving Miss Daisy. Oof. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I doubt. This is the last terrible best picture winner we have. It certainly isn't the first. But no, we'll you know, probably get another one again in like four years. Like it happens every so often. I mean, yeah. It's happened other times in our 
probably within the last 10 years before this. Honestly, the best picture winner is never the movie that everybody remembers the most from that year, it seems, at this point. Um, so It's very rare that it is. Like I mean, Moonlight might be an exception because Moonlight has like pretty much it's pretty much a perfect movie. Um, but yeah, and then, and then the next film by Barry Jenkins just gets absolutely shut out at the Oscars this year. Yeah, so, that's ridiculous. Go figure. Um, but yeah, I mean the Oscars they they won't always give you the best movies from each year, but I feel like the process generates a lot of discussion, which is what I value it for. Right. I feel like it, it gets people talking about movies and, and it gets people who wouldn't otherwise go out of their way to see movies like this to at least think about checking some of these out. Right. I agree. Absolutely. So there that was good. Yeah. I mean, there's there's always some positives to this process. We'll start getting ready for next year at the Oscars soon, I'm sure. Just keeping an eye on um, movies that might be nominated and trying to see them while they're still in theaters. That's the biggest part of preparing for this Oscars race that we do every year, which uh, I forgot to add that we both completed this on time this year. Uh we did. My, that was yeah. very exciting. We both got to see all the movies that were nominated, all 52. Uh, I was a little down to the wire because I had one film left to watch, which was The Wife. And I went down to Miami this weekend. Uh, so I had to find a way to see it while I was down there. That was the only movie I had left to see. And I had to see that. I finished like, I don't know, two o'clock in the afternoon, the day of the Oscars. Uh, so okay. it was a little down to the wire, but I was never really worried that I wasn't going to make it like I was at some points last year. Right. Um, so yeah, it went pretty smoothly. We both finished up the death race this year yeah. and I feel like we're both stronger for it. We have a lot of, <laughs> have a lot of knowledge about the movies that came out this year and we can really talk. We sure about do. It. I hope we can do the same thing next year or this coming year, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, feel like yeah. now it's like time to play catch up forever but yeah yeah you always get you're always playing catch up with this stuff it's impossible to see everything that comes out like while it's in theaters that's true it pretty much is but i try my best a uh, little side note for uh, since i mentioned i went down to miami i had a pretty interesting film going experience this past weekend do tell that i definitely have to mention on here before we close out uh so i when i was first planning on going down i wanted to check out if there were any unique or unusual movie theaters down there and the one that kept coming out was this place called night owl cinema uh it's in the design district in miami which is not like an area that has a lot of movie theaters or bars or anything like people go to hang out at night or whatever, but it's there apparently. Um, but like the, the reviews for this place were incredible. They're like, you got to go check this place out. They show lots of old 35 millimeter films, lots of really hard to see movies. They're always showing just really weird shit. So I'm like, right. all right, I gotta, I gotta see this while I'm down here. This sounds like exactly my kind of place. 
Um, so went and checked it out. First of all, their website is like cryptic as hell. It's very hard to tell um, like what the procedure is for this place. Um, some of their shows you can't even buy tickets to online, like I found out. So the night that I went uh, this past Saturday, they had a 10 o'clock showing of um, the Blair Witch Project. And then they had a midnight show that just said Night Owl Grindhouse. I was like, ooh, ooh, what is that? That sounds interesting. Like, I love Grindhouse films. I love, like, these old gritty movies from the 70s and 60s and whatever. Um, the pulpier, the better. But they didn't really explain at all what it was. Unlike the other movies, there was no way to buy tickets for it online. <laughs> Uh, I ended up calling them the day of the show after I had previously emailed them a bunch of times and being like, I just asked them, hey, um, is it possible to buy tickets to this? Is is there a way to do it online or whatever? And they're like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Just show up. We'll take care of you. That's like, like so frightening. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what, what does that mean? Like, okay. And they hung up before I could ask any more questions. So I was like, all right, this is a little shifty. But I was like, okay, at least I know that I'll probably get in. Because I was like concerned that it might have been sold out or something. Right. That, so I was like, should I go to the showing of Blair Witch just so I can see something there? Or should I stay for like the, the really weird midnight showing? And so they confirmed basically that I could get into the midnight show. So we show up at like 1145. First of all, this place is in like a little mall basically it's like oh. a small a small indoor mall in the design district in miami which is all like high-end boutique stores and stuff and this was at midnight so they're all closed like this area is just completely dead and the uber drives us up to this mall and then drops us off there and I'm like okay i guess it's in here go inside everything in there is closed we look up <laughs> On the second floor, and there's a place, Night Owl Cinema, and there's like people outside hanging out playing video games. Okay. <laughs> so strange. Yeah, very strange. Go up there, and they asked if we were there for Blair Witch Project. And I assumed, like, oh, wait, it's 11.45. Like, the Blair Witch was supposed to start at 10. So, like, oh, maybe the midnight show is another showing of Blair Witch, and it's just like a secret showing or something or whatever so i'm like right. okay yeah so like all right um so like i bought the tickets or whatever and went in there and it was like the last 20 minutes of blair witch okay so we always got <laughs> like the last 20 minutes of the blair witch project so like okay yeah whatever so then after that we figured out like they were doing the the grindhouse screening later because they'd started blair witch late so right. we got tickets to the Grindhouse show, which started at like 1230. Okay. So already getting like really late at this point. And I talked to a few of the people there um, while we were waiting for to get started. And they're like, how'd you even find out about this place? I'm like, I don't know. I just check out weird movie theaters all over the place. And like, 
I got to talk to them about like Sun Cinema and the Nighthawk and like they knew about these places. So like, yeah, all these little micro cinemas, we all know each other. Like we, we communicate, which I thought was pretty cool. That is really um, cool. That's awesome. And so then when it came time to actually start the movie, the guy, like the projectionist, he was like, okay, so legally we are probably okay to show this. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> but technically nobody's supposed to have a copy of this film or something like that. I'm like, all right, this sounds really bad already. He's <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> so don't ask where we got this and uh, just enjoy basically. I'm like, okay, this is, this is fucking weird. And um, just to give you like a idea, the setup of this place, it's just like, I don't know, maybe like five rows of seating. Uh, a few of them were just like individual seats, but a lot of them were like couches and stuff. So we're like chilling out on, on a couch kind of near the back, the projector, like right behind us. It's a very like ramshackle setup, but it was like really cool and it looked really neat inside. Uh, but right. so the movie, the movie started and it was this film from the 1970s called the last house on dead end street which is apparently a very notorious movie. Um, it was at one time rumored to be a snuff film. Oh my but, God. <laughs> but it's, it's one, but it's one of those movies that like, it's just a movie about people making a snuff film. Okay. Like, people were like, Oh, it's real. Like, and shit like that. But it's not, it's not real. It's like a really schlocky seventies horror movie. It's really, really weird. Uh, and apparently it's pretty much impossible to obtain a copy of this movie. So I don't know where they got this from. (laughs) It was fun. It was a really interesting movie to watch at midnight. Um, Was it super obscene as, as gross as it seems? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There was, there was like whipping, there was dismemberments, torture, rape, just like, the whole the whole lot there it was like a 1970s a serbian film but you know not as extreme because it's the 70s right because just because it couldn't be yeah but it was it was very interesting and uh kind of a unusual watch definitely because apparently it's hard to see that does sound awesome that you got to see it in a theater at midnight though yeah i mean this bizarre little theater I'm sure even like most people who do get to see this don't get to actually watch it in a theater, especially right. like at midnight when you don't know exactly what's going on. <laughs> and yeah, like that like increases scary, the scary factor. Kind of sketched out by the whole process. I was like, okay, yeah, this is the perfect environment to see this film in. Right. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. <clears throat> um that's really awesome. I definitely recommend anyone going to Miami, check this place out. Uh, uh yeah it's a little hole in the wall they they do show a little more traditional fare earlier in the nights and during the week uh it's definitely you know they're not showing like first run movies but at least you know stuff like the blair witch project rocky horror picture show whatever right. um yeah <laughs> but this was <laughs> this was a blast if you if you get a chance and you have the inclination check out the grindhouse screening at Night Owl Cinema. 
is oh yes all the time i would definitely go to that Um, that's awesome i'm jealous i did not have anything cool this week so i cannot speak to a cool theatrical experience but that's okay yeah i mean other than that i feel like it's been a while well i mean i did go to the the shorts in theaters and yeah i mean otherwise yeah i've been i saw a bunch of the oscar movies in theaters um i saw happy death day to you uh in theaters but that's like the only recent release I've seen in theaters for sure. And otherwise, I've been mostly streaming a bunch of stuff at home because of the Oscars. Yeah. But we should be getting back into the uh, theatrical release grind soon. There's a bunch of yeah. cool stuff coming out soon. Captain Marvel, all that. Uh, Us is going to be coming out soon, which is uh, going to really make some waves. That's going to be a blast. It looks so good. The trailer looks awesome. I saw there's some other good trailers that have come out recently. I think the Greta trailer looks really fun. I'm really excited about Greta. Um, that Chloe yeah. Grace Moritz movie that's coming out. Um, yeah, I think I think it looks generally pretty good. I think it it could go bad. I don't know. <laughs> I think it looks like it's going to be as like just pulpy and indulgent enough to be just fun no matter what. Right. Like, yeah. Like, I don't I'm think it's going to be like a, like this movie that we walk away from, like having changed cinema, but it's like. It does look pulpy and fun. And is there a single man in the trailer? Because it doesn't seem like it. And that's awesome. No, so, no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. So I'm all on board for that. Um, let's, let's do it. Us looks great. Um, I have now seen the trailer for the intruder three times. Um, and I got the intruder. It's like, <laughs> I think I described it as similar to like <laughs> Lake U Terrace. Um, <laughs> It's um, if you ever saw Lego Terrace? It's like I've so seen the Dennis, trailers. Do it. Dennis Quaid plays this old man who owns a house, and um, a young black couple are trying to get the house, and they end up getting it. It's Michael Ely, right? Right. Yeah, and like they get it, and then it just like he sticks around the house, like he doesn't leave. Yeah, and, I have um, seen that trailer. Yeah. So, um, I think the trailer gives away like maybe the entire movie. I mean, when you watch the trailer, I'm like, there can be, like, first of all, it's like the trailer makes it very clear that Dennis Quaid's character is bad, which I think any smart movie, I mean, if I just had to guess how this movie goes, it spends the first 45 minutes with nobody sure if he's bad or not. Right. At the very least, the first 45 minutes, if not more than that. But the trailer makes it, I mean, it's impossible for him not to be, so really blew that one and then they're like all of these scenes of them like running around looking scared and like in states of like disheveled and like obviously having experienced violence and he's carrying her up the stairs at one point and like, yeah <laughs> so he's like, obviously like, like physically involved at this yeah, point yeah and like, like by the time that he's got her collapsed no carrying her upstairs he's clearly like this is like the climax of the movie and you just gave a huge part of it away like so like that's really a bummer because i feel like this movie otherwise looks like so like definitely like pulpy like stupid almost erotic thriller like not quite but like like you know like it's like a psychosexual thriller for sure because he has some weird dennis quaid's character has some weird hang-ups for sure yeah yeah. um um, so like and those are always like really fun and interesting and then it gave away just like everything and i like spent the whole like 
half of Happy Death Day to you. Not half, because I was really invested in the movie. But like anytime there came a lull, I was like, remember that really terrible trailer I just watched? <laughs> like, and I kept getting so mad at it. Like, it's oh my gosh, it's considered a loose remake of Cold Creek Manor. Oh boy. You saw Cold Creek Manor, right? No, I didn't. Oh my god, that has it's a Dennis Quaid movie. <laughs> Wait, is he remade his own movie? Yeah, he was the star of Cold Creek Manor, but Cold Creek Manor had like Sharon Stone and Kristen Stewart's in it. Um, I think Christopher Plummer's in it. Like, it's like a really random like. Wait, how from, recent was this movie? Uh, like early two thousands. Uh, let me double check. So, it's... oh god, this is how close was, uh, the two thousand three. Two thousand three. All right, so like it's been 16 like sixteen years. years. So this is how short the remake cycle has gotten now. That the same they can use the same actors in the remake at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they might as well just do a shot for shot with the same actors, just fifteen years older. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> at this point, why not? Yeah, that's strange. But uh, yeah, Happy Death Day to you was fun though. I do remember seeing that trailer beforehand. It could still be fun. You never know. It could. Maybe you like the trailer is like intentionally like misleading. Like then it would be really fun. You know? I hope so. Um, yeah. Like on key plot moments and not the overall tone. Oh, I also saw a trailer for Ma, which still looks really good. And everyone should look at the trailer for Ma. I think that looks really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the That's going to be good. So hopefully there's some good stuff coming out soon in like like quarters two of the year. By the time you reach the second quarter, things are starting to get good. Um, yeah. I feel like there's this this nice lull in February. Um, it's January and February. I mean, Well, January, January is like the, the dead zone. We all know that if it comes out in January, it's like, mm, I don't know. The real um, dead zone. But that's yeah. what makes the, the whole Oscars race so achievable for us is that like there's not a lot coming out that we really want to see. So right, we yeah, can for sure. take the time to watch all this stuff that we have to catch up on. Right. Um, so I think that about wraps us up for the, our Oscars coverage. I think so. It's been a long road. We've, uh, we've covered most of the movies that were nominated and we've covered the, the, uh, what we thought would win and what actually won. Uh, we're here to wrap up our Oscars death race to congratulate ourselves for making it through the whole thing. And yeah. you, our listeners, for <laughs> bearing with us while we covered all these movies. Absolutely. And uh, we're moving on to other things now. Greener um, pastures. Greener pastures, yes. So the next pasture that we're thinking about exploring, uh, today's Today, when, as we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, February 26th, this was James Wan's birthday. The director of the first Saw movie and producer of all the subsequent ones. The, the man uh, who, along with Leigh L, spawned the Saw franchise and ushered in a whole new era of horror as we know it. And indeed, indeed. Yeah. Our plan from here on 
is to cover all the Saw movies. We're going <laughs> to... This is one of our favorite franchises between the two of us, and um, it's it's one of our biggest intersections in film interests. We we love this franchise. We're very excited to cover it. And oh yes, we, we basically just want to break down each film for you uh, and just talk about what's so great about it, why this franchise matters to horror and to film in general, and to us. <laughs> yeah, and to us. I mean, this is a very personal franchise for me. I yeah, me too. Yeah, this this it came along at a very crucial time when I was developing my film tastes, and it's been close to me ever since. And I think that it's kind of underrated. It gets written off as murder porn. It gets sort of maligned and washed over with that whole general mid two thousands horror feeling. And I think that especially the first film, but the franchise in general is worth a lot more than that. And there's a lot that's worth discussing in there. Yeah. And that is what we intend to prove to you in our next series of episodes where we'll cover all the Saw movies. Uh Uh-huh. I'm very excited. This is going to be awesome. I have a lot to say about all of them without even having watched any of them recently. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly, excited to watch them. <laughs> I could probably run them all down just right by now. memory. But yeah. we're going to watch these movies again. We're going to give you the best possible coverage we can. And we may indeed provide the most in-depth analysis of the Saw franchise that has yet been released in podcast form. I hope so. Let's as do it. As far as we know. Yeah. yeah, I've got, I mean, I've got, I could go, I could talk forever about any given one of them, so... I believe it. Yeah. So if you're into horror, if you're into Saw, you're in for a big treat the next few weeks. If you're not, give it a chance. I think you'll find that there's some interesting stuff in here. And it might be better to listen to us describe it than to actually have to watch it on the screen. So you never know. That's true. We might. We'll have fun regardless. Uh, But until then, that's next week. For this week, we're uh, we're finishing up here. Any other parting thoughts for us, Matt? Uh, no. I think we about covered it all. Yeah. Okay. So, as always, you can check us out on Twitter. We're at Buzzed on Movies. Just reach out to us. We always like talking to people on Twitter. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. We're buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. We are. And if you like the podcast, try to give us a rating on iTunes. Subscribe to us. We're also on many other platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music. And until next week, we'll see you at the movies. See you at the movies.